0: And it is the best teaching out there, as far as mind renewal. Um, tonight, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about more big picture. I'm gonna back. So we've been up like up close, talking about healing, up close, talking about renewing the mind. Tonight, I'm gonna back way out uh, and, and go for the purpose again, because uh, the temptation is to just learn and learn. And uh, and never, you know, I think my dad was the one that always said this, that you can't see the forest for the trees. He didn't make it up of course, But, you know, and that's what Christianity and Christians are like. A lot of times in modern church. You can't see the forest for the trees. You can't see the purpose because you're tied up in, in any number of small details. And we've got to grasp the purpose. We've got to grasp the long range goal. Uh, not only, you know, for the body of Christ, but for yourself, for who you are, for your family, uh, for those that you're discipling. Um, and and ironically or not ironically, the long range picture is where most people get it wrong, which causes them to err in the details. <laughs> so, you know, if you uh, set course on your ship and you're headed to a specific spot on the map and you're off, you know, three degrees at first, it does not matter. But if your long range trajectory is off by three degrees, you're going to be hundreds of miles away from the goal or from the port you're trying to land at. And that's kind of the the situation that we've been in the last 500 years with the body of Christ. Uh, the body of Christ itself, is, it seems like is just a bit has just a, in a constant state of mind renewal. Understanding the word of God, getting rid of sacred cows, getting rid of traditions of men, traditions of, you know, uh, traditions of men, doctrines of men, doctrines of demons. And the more we do that, the freer we get. Um, We know this from what we've taught uh, that uh, we have been predestined to be conformed into his likeness. That is on this side of Eternity, if you want to say it like that, that is while we are here in our bodies. Um, and that likeness is our goal. That likeness is our mission. That, that likeness is our priority. Okay, uh, That likeness is, is what's going to cause you to be able to to win, to bring your family into this, to be able to, uh, so that none of your words fall to the ground. Everything that you set your hand to prospers. That likeness is the key. You can't do it outside the likeness. So what do I mean by the likeness? That means that not, no part of you is uh, is at odds against him. So no thought of your mind can be at odds with him. You know, what you believe, uh, what you think, you know, all the way down to your opinions. All of these things must be aligned with him. And that's Part of the mind renewal. That's why that's so important. So that every thought, every belief, every idea, every understanding, listen, all, all the wisdom that you carry. So many people carry wisdom, but it's, it's earthly. It's earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom does not lead to heavenly results. Only heavenly wisdom. And I don't mean just like, you know, tell me to go left or to go right. God, I need to know. I'm talking about understanding. I'm talking about deep seated revelation that causes you to behave a certain way. Um, So when you get your mind going in that direction and you get your thoughts and then, you know, not to even mention the heart yet. We haven't talked about that, but the motive of your heart, there must be no motive at odds with him. There must be no agenda at odds with him. Uh, Even the priorities and the goals that captivate your heart must yield and bow. Um, at the center of your heart is your will as a person. It is, you know, it's if people call you stubborn, you're talking about your will, and your will cannot be at odds with Him if you want to come into His likeness, which enables you to do what He said you could do, and lo- allows none of your words to fall to the ground, and causes your hand, everything you put your hand to, to prosper. This is, this is the whole revelation. Uh, of why Jesus came, was that we could come into his likeness for his purpose. And this is why he's so stuck on Jesus over and over. He's so stuck on, if you want to follow me, you've got to die to yourself every day. Um, you know, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? It seems like he's real. It seems like he's the absolute opposite of the Jesus that everybody preaches. And it's not because he's Lord of the universe, although he is. He is. <laughs> You know he could just be that way if he wants to uh, but it's because um it's because he is Lord and he he has bought you and he owns you, <laughs> and he expects you to act like it, right? He expects you to act like he owns you. that's not American that's not an American thing. that's not an American mentality, but he owns you, but not in the sense of a slave, not even the sense of a friend. It's much greater than a friend. it's sonship. And this is the kind of sonship that Jesus modeled. Uh, he said, I I am not here to please myself. I'm not here to speak my own words. I'm not here to do my own will. I am here for the pleasure of the Father, His will, His thoughts I speak, His words I speak. You know, I do everything to please my Father. And And it's not because He's trying to show off and be like, look at me, I am... I am it. I am bananas for this. It's because he's modeling to us what it takes to win. He's modeling for us what it takes to make this thing work and to fulfill the job and accomplish the purpose. And if you don't know the purpose and if you don't know the job, then it's real hard to align yourself with this stuff. It's real hard to to, to work up enough heavenly wisdom to come into an understanding where uh, you can die to yourself and begin to obey in a way that ch- turns the world upside down, and that's what the Jews said of the early Christians in the Word of God. It says, "These are the ones that have turned the world upside down." That was the Jews that said that. So, uh, so this likeness that we're talking about, unless we understand the purpose, it's going to seem like rules. It's going to seem like uh, it's going to seem like my opinion. Like I'm telling you, you have to obey Jesus, or or else, you know. Uh, but this this is really about uh, the purpose. He put his purpose in us. Every see, I'm going to read the scriptures here. But th- this this thing that has been put on us, like we've ta- been talking about, we have been made heirs of God. That literally means that when we become one with what's inside of us, right? So we're not being we're not responding, we're not reflecting. Let me say it this way. This is what Paul preaches it. And this is, I think, out of Corinthians. Um, think of yourself as a mirror. And you don't... Unsafe people reflect the world around them. Okay? The mirror is facing out. Everywhere they go, that's just a reflection of what's around them. That's the influence. That's the... You know, ever their friends, their family, whoever they're connected to, the media, whatever they listen, read, watch. They reflect those things. Okay? Now, to be a son of God is to turn that thing around... Uh, so to speak, so that you reflect what's inward. So you reflect the reality of what's inside. And if you are born again and have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the reality is you have been made an heir of God that is literally God dwelling in you. This is the picture of the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament, in the, in the tent of meeting. We, we are the new Holy of Holies, and we are God's meeting place. We are God's dwelling place. And all those things are just a picture pointing to sonship that Jesus Christ revealed. So uh, sonship is not just about having your sins forgiven and getting to, quote, unquote, go to heaven if you die. Sonship is about uh, adoption uh, unto, unto God so that we can be made in his likeness for his purpose. See, if you're in his family... It's this is not like adopt We use this word. We use this picture of adoption a lot. But like when you, if I adopt a kid from another country and they have darker skin or lighter skin or whatever, but they don't look like me, you can tell they don't look like me. You know? Oh, did you adopt them? You know? That's how the conversation goes. But God changed when He adopted us. He changed our DNA. He changed our spirit. He recreated us in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And we have the job then of adjusting ourselves to uh, to uh, walk accordingly, if that makes sense. So it's not like, oh, you come in, you still have all these weird, you know, I'm still me, I'm just me, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do me. That's a devil. Uh, that's never gonna win anything. But if you get this mentality that Jesus had, and Paul talks about this all the time, let this same mind that was in Christ be in you. We get this mindset that we have been purchased, not just for eternal life's sake, like, you know, we're saved from hell, uh, but that we're purchased so that we could be transfigured, transformed into his likeness. Not just transformed into a better person, transformed to, to be just like him. And this is what turns the world upside down. Because this is why Paul said it's no longer I. Who live, but Christ who lives in me. What's he saying? He's saying that mirror that used to reflect everything around me is now turned around. It's reflecting what's within me. What is in me is God Himself indwelling me by His Spirit. And as sensual, you know, feeling based modern era humans, we we pass that off because well, I don't feel like it's in there. I don't feel him in there. I don't feel like these things are true. Okay, but you're not going to find one single verse in the Bible, in the New Testament, that talks about how these things feel. I just challenge you to go search for it. I haven't found it. It's not in there. These are things that we believe and understand by faith and that we can see the results of around us. For example, uh, Saturday, uh, of course, we go door-to-door, we have a couple teams that go door-to-door, and this is strategic, we go neighborhood-by-neighborhood, and we have a a way we approach these people, of course we have a way we live, so that when we approach these people, it works, and uh, Saturday, for the very first time, both teams, both teams, everybody we touched was healed instantly, and that's hundred percent for two different teams, and that's a first for us. We've had it where one team does and 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 like that, but but this is the mentality that causes those things to come to bear. Now, um, before I read some scriptures here, let's talk about let's talk about where this mentality is going to bring us, and I want to talk about the purpose of the church for just a minute. We make a big deal of the church. We make a big deal of uh, church services and church meetings and church buildings and church bodies and church membership and church laws and church bylaws and everything church, church, church. There's so much church. It's sometimes we call it churchianity. Uh, but the church is the ecclesia, and this word, when you see the word church in the New Testament in the Greek, is the word ecclesia. And that is a Greek word that the Greeks coined uh, to describe their ruling body, their governorship, which is a body of people anywhere from a couple dozen people, even up to as many as 300 or more people. And these people were tasked to govern their city-states. It was a, a ruling body. And they could elect leaders, enact war. and They had the, the ability and the authority to, uh, to keep their city-state safe to govern it, everything they need to do, okay? And so when Jesus said, uh, on this rock, I will build my church, and elsewhere where he used the word church, and wherever Paul used the word church, this is what they're talking about. They're talking about a ruling body in the earth that causes something to come to pass, okay? Jesus, same word when Jesus said, uh, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church, Okay, so where we're going with this, I'm going to jump way, 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 way out. Okay, I'm going to jump past all of your ridiculous end-time theologies that you didn't get from the Bible yourself. You just heard somebody tell you. Okay, I'm going to jump way out. All right, there, the goal of the church, the purpose of the church is to completely remove the influence of the enemy in all ways. How is this possible? Well, if you just go by experience, you won't believe it's possible. But if you go by what the Word of God says, it's explicitly possible and it's a command to do so. For example, Jesus says, the devil is coming, but he has nothing in me. Okay, what's he saying? The devil has tried and he has tried, but he has no ability to take hold of anything within me. I am free of his influence. And he exhibited this his entire ministry, his entire life and even in the uh, desert when he was fasting he would continue, he would just come back out and it is written and he defeated him like that okay now if jesus is our example and he is and we are called according to Ephesians 4:11 to grow up into him in all things even the head to the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ that means that we should be able to walk in such a way through renewing our mind through dying to ourselves, laying our life down, uh, laying our will down, let there be no resistance in us, okay? We should be able to walk uh, free of his influence. And it is a command. Even Jesus even said uh, uh, that the wicked one will not touch us. That is New Testament. The wicked one will not touch us. And we have even other promises. I'm going to read one in here, but... It says that he who hears my words and, and keeps them or obeys them is like someone who built his house on a rock. And even if a storm comes, uh, he will not be shaken. Okay. And so we've kind of super spiritualized these uh, these things that I'm talking about in modern Christianity and, and taking the practicality right out of it, taking the purpose of God right out of it. So let's just say that you can get to a place where, You're walking in divine health, the enemy. You're walking in divine protection. You're walking in the ability of Jesus Christ. You know, more and more people are being healed as you lay hands on them. Things are working out. Everything you set your hand to begins to prosper because you have come into the understanding that Christ is in you and that this whole thing operates and works and functions because God indwells you by his spirit. And since there's no resistance to him in any way, that you believe or think or in the motives and agendas of your heart, then he is able to flow freely from you. Okay. Let's say you start to come into that. And, uh, let's say you, uh, you and your family come into that. Then you can say that, that the, you have broken off the influence of the enemy, right? You have the mind of Christ. You know the will of God and you do it with great efficacy, consistency and without hindrance of any kind. All right. those people are kind of rare in the earth, but this is the kind of person that Jesus was. Remember when they said when they took him to the edge of the cliff and they wanted to throw him off? The Bible says he concealed himself and walked through them. All right, that's who we are. Even Jesus that walked through the wall, he had the same the same flesh and blood. Okay, what makes what makes a son of God is a sinless man who is indwelt by the Spirit the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God, which enables us to do anything that Jesus did, and he promised we would do greater things. So let's say you get your family into this place where there is no influence of the enemy. He may try to claw. He may try to come around every now and then. He may send some family around every now and then, but he has no he has no foothold. Paul says this, give no ground to the enemy. That word ground is... Where we get the word topography. Give no topography, literal ground to the devil. And let's say you get your family walking in this and then you've got a, a you know, a church or a home group or people that you're discipling and you start to bring those people into this. Listen, if one person can do it, if one person can become untouchable, a family can. If a family can become untouchable, then a discipleship group or a church can. If a church can become untouchable, then an entire city can. And if a city can become untouchable, if you can remove the influence of the enemy in a city and cause it to become untouchable from the kingdom of darkness, then a nation can become untouchable. And if a nation can become untouchable, then the entire world can become untouchable. And this is the future of the planet. This is this is. The the Bride of Christ without spot or blemish or wrinkle. Okay? That's our future. That's what we're going towards. Many places in the Word of God, it says, Jesus sat down waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. That's us. That's our job. That's why he commands us to preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely release the kingdom. Okay? So... So understanding that's that that's our purpose to come into maturity means the devil has no influence over me. Man, wouldn't you like to live like that? Wouldn't you like to live in a place where the devil has no influence over you, where the devil has no influence over your family? It is possible because that spirit that is in you. It, the this is what Paul says in Romans: the law of the law. The uh, how does it say it? The law of life in Christ Jesus has defeated the law of sin and death. So if you have that spirit of life in you, and there is no resistance to that life in you, then that life defeats and completely overwhelms and overcomes all other things. That's what it looks like for the gates of hell to not prevail against his church. All right, so let me read. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 through 29. He says, Colossians 1, 24 through 29. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am willing, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God. That was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. And take notice of this phrase where he says, To make the word of God fully known. See, we just kind of read this stuff, skip over it, and be like, Oh, yes, the word of God. Hallelujah. What is he saying? The word of God is. And this is how Paul writes. He he'll say something, then he'll explain it. So introduce it with a phrase and then he'll explain it. So To make the word of God fully known. Okay? You're like, wow, the word of God, what is he talking about? Just keep reading. It says, the word of God, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, this word of God that Paul is saying that he has been tasked to make fully known, which has been a mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. This, uh, this we proclaim and make known. It is Christ in you, and that's exactly what I've been talking about. That's the Spirit of the Living God dwelling inside of you. That is how you know God. That is how you uh, do everything that he has commanded us to do. Uh, for example, I mean, I know we've talked about this, but we've got to kind of iron, re-iron stuff, you know, in order for it to stick. Most people, when they pray for the sick, they're going to ask God to go heal someone. God, Susie needs your healing touch. Please heal her now. Okay, that no prayer was ever uttered like that in the New Testament, ever. Not in a single place. How did Jesus heal the sick? He said, it's not me who does these works, it's the Spirit of my Father in me. So Jesus spoke the word and believed, and the Spirit performed the action. Jesus laid hands on the sick, commanding the sickness to leave, and the Spirit did the action. Jesus laid hands or spoke to dead people, commanding them to arise, and the Spirit went forth, and brought life. This is what God has done for us. How did it? You know, people are like, "Ooh, Jesus, He's so mysterious." And how did He do what He did? Well, He was just God. Hallelujah, He's God, and He's always God. He'll always be God. And you know, the more they go into that that cascade, their voice will change and start to waver. And oh, glory! You know, they kind of go into that thing. Listen, it's not a mystery how Jesus did what He did. It's not a mystery how he operated. It's not a mystery of how it worked because the mystery Paul says we are making fully known. It's called the word of God. What is the word of God? It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. All right. Him we proclaim. Paul uh, goes on to say, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Why is Paul exerting so much effort to warn and uh, teach everyone with all wisdom that he may present everyone mature why is he going to such a trouble why is he so fixated on this why is he so excited about this it's because he is working towards an end goal where all of god's enemies have no influence in the earth what do you think it means when uh it says in hebrews and ephesians and other places That he has been seated on the throne until all until such a time as all of his enemies are placed beneath his feet. That means they are no longer operational. That means they they have no longer have an influence in the earth. Right? If we go into Warsaw and pick out the worst criminal, and then he's he's wrecking the schools, he's wrecking the, the 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 financial situation there, he's doing all kinds of bad stuff. What are we gonna do with that guy? We need to remove his influence. How do we do that? We're going to catch him, and we're going to throw him in prison and throw away the key. (laughs) You need to hear the gospel, buddy, for like, I don't know, 90 or 100 years. (laughs) Okay? What do we do when we incarcerate criminals? We remove their influence from society. What do we do when we evict sickness and disease, when we cast out devils, when we destroy lies with the truth, when we bring people into the maturity in Christ, when we uh when we go through cities and liberate them with the kingdom of God, what are we doing? We are incarcerating the criminal, we are removing his influence, and in order for the influence to be removed, listen this is how the kingdom of darkness operates. The kingdom of darkness has no influence in the earth except through. A human's mind, right? You don't ever look at someone and go, "Man, they are so demonized," and they just have the best life in the world. Like they—they're they're smart, they're dressed sharp, they got a great lawn. <laughs> you go in the house, they make their bed. You'd be like, "Man, that person is demonized." Just I just can tell. No, you look at someone and go, "Dang, they're demonized," because everything is out of order. <laughs> right, they we can tell. James talks about this a lot when we go door to door. He's like, I can smell it. <laughs> He's like, I can smell those demons, and they do have a smell. Sickness and disease has a smell. Poverty has a smell. But uh, when someone is is uh, w- the the influence of the evil one is seen when he has influence over a human. Okay. Now look at your world leaders look at uh, Putin. look that guy is not just you know operating in his own mind. Princes and powers, rulers, authorities in the kingdom of darkness have manipulated him for their own will okay your your other family member that sometimes you talk about that hates Christianity listen they are being manipulated by powers of darkness. For the sake of the destruction of the gospel. I mean, there's, there's countries right now that kill Christians, cut their heads off. You know, they do all that stuff right now. Why do they do those things? They don't know, except that there's a spirit that's manipulating them, influencing them, influencing them to hate the gospel, to hate God, to hate Christianity. Okay. Now, what if you could remove that influence from the human that's the goal that's called redemption that's called salvation that's called discipleship that's called being the son of god and this is why jesus said go make disciples of all nations right yeah i know everybody's got that picture in their mind like oh we'll just start a bible class for all the nations okay how far have your has your Bible class gotten you? Don't answer me about this one cuz hopefully it's gotten you somewhere. <laughs> okay? Listen, we need more. We need more than what's been happening. We need more uh wisdom. We need more understanding. We need more revelation on the word of God as Paul puts it, the mystery of Christ dwelling in us so that we're no longer reflecting the world around us, you know? The whole world flips out on COVID, okay? What do the Christians do? The same thing, right? You know, I've got a friend, uh, me and James and Deb and Haley, and we've got this friend named Sim, and he's from Nigeria. And uh, he gave us some statistics, and I went and looked them up, and he was right. He told us the truth. He said, in uh, in my state, in Nigeria, there's only been like, and this was almost a, a year ago. So COVID was raging, not quite a year ago, maybe eight months ago. Um, he said, in my state, in Nigeria, there's only been like 400 deaths from COVID. And, you know... I don't know how many deaths there's been in Missouri. Anybody know off the top of their head? So he was like, who knows how many really died of COVID. He stubbed his toe and got pneumonia and it was probably COVID. <laughs> okay. So he said they only had like 400 some deaths from COVID. And I'm like, wow, why is that? He's like, well, that's because we had meetings where all the COVID people came. And they were all healed. <laughs> so instead of having church for the non-COVID people, they had church for the COVID people. And they all came in. And they eradicated that thing. And 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 uh, what state is that that he lives in, James? The Plateau State? or No. What's it called? Do you remember? I don't know. Go look it up. Uh, what is it? Say it's again. the Plateau State. Anyway, it's not small. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's not a small place. <laughs> it's not Frisco, Missouri. It's actually called the Plateau State. Plateau State. All right. So this is why Paul is working. He said, I toil and I struggle with all his energy, which works powerfully in me. Because he's going towards this goal where the influence of the enemy is completely cut off. I mean, he took this thing all the way to Caesar. He went to Caesar, the leader of the known world, on purpose in order that he could cut off the influence of the enemy. Even Festus, when he was going to Caesar, he had to go through the chain of command. Festus uh, uh, was hearing Paul talk about... Uh, the kingdom of God and self-control it says <laughs> and festus got so afraid of what of paul's words he put him away he said you know i almost i almost became a believer by your words and paul was like i wish you would be just like me except for these chains you put me in so so Paul was going for The complete removal of the influence of the enemy through the kingdom of God. All right? This is not about education. This is about freedom. He who Christ sets free is, you finish it. That's what that means. Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. Uh, uh, Mom says about 21,000 deaths in Missouri from COVID. All right. Ephesians 1, 9, and 10. This is Paul, uh, Paul writing to the Ephesians, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Isn't it interesting that he puts he pairs the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan, okay, for the fullness of time. Can you just off the top of your head uh come up with a thought or idea of this mystery of his will, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Most modern Christians would be, you know, like hallelujah for the forgiveness of sin so that we could all go to heaven if we die. Okay. That is not the plan. That's not the purpose. There's a different purpose and it says it right here. To unite all things in him, in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. It, And we know from uh, the Lord's Prayer section in Matthew, where the disciples say, teach us how to pray. You know, we all know that thing by heart. I knew that prayer before I was even born again. I knew that prayer for like 20 years. But he says, let it be on earth. As it is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done, which is really the same thing because this kingdom is not a physical thing. This kingdom is a rule. It's a reign. It's an enforcement of government. Okay. Let your kingdom or your reign come, your will be done. So how do we know that the reign of God is at work? We know it when the will of God is done, right? When we do the will of God, there is the kingdom. All right. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it says here in Ephesians, to, uh, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is literally saying the exact same thing. Okay. Now, if it's going to be on earth as it is in heaven, how much influence does the kingdom of darkness have in heaven? Zero, right? If it is the plan of Christ for the fullness of time to unite all things in himself, things in heaven and things on earth, how much influence of the enemy is going to be in the earth? Zero. Okay. Don't, don't, don't take this out of context and put it in some other time frame. Some other time frame far away that doesn't have anything to do with us. He did this. He's doing this through us. Uh, There's a scripture here. Let me pull it out. I was looking at some other notes here. Um, There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. um, And this is actually the Passion Translation. I like the way it says it. It says, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. For we live in a time... When the purpose of all the ages, man, here we go again with this purpose thing. We live in a time when the purpose of all the ages past is now completing its goal within us. Not starting, not kicking off something that's going to happen later. It is completing its goal where? Within us. That's, that's the, that's, that's the thing that makes all this work. That, that the Spirit of God indwells us. And that union, that oneness, that, that ability that we come into as a son of God is how all of these things uh, come to pass. How all things in heaven and earth will be united in Christ is through his body in the earth. All right? Uh, Romans 8, 18 through 22. I'm going to wrap it up here in a second. Um. Romans 8, 18-22 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For, for the creation was subject subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. That's talking about When Adam sinned and let death into the world. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What is Paul saying here? He is describing to us what it looks like when the influence of the kingdom of darkness is completely removed from the earth. Let me read again. For the creation was subjected to futility not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together And the pains of childbirth until now. So Paul is describing, hey, all creation is uh, groaning and yearning to be set free from death. Creation didn't ask for death. Adam let it in. He had the authority to let it in. He let it in. Through the sin of one man, death entered the world. Or we can say it like this. Through the sin of one man, corruption entered the world. And against its will, creation was made subject to corruption. Now, what is creation groaning for? It is groaning for, according to the word of God, the glory of the children of God. Now, what is what the glory of the children of God? Let's start a let's start a whole new church cult and call it the glory of the children of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> what is this talking about? It's talking about the mystery of the ages, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have got it in us. There is nothing, if you are born again and you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have nothing less than what Jesus had. But the the one thing that Jesus might have that you don't have is a submitted mind, a submitted will, and a submitted heart. Okay? The creation is longing because what is within us is going to come out and set them free of corruption. What does it look like for creation to be set free of corruption? Well, first of all, it looks like the dead being raised and the sick being healed and demons being evicted. But it also looks like landscapes being set free from the influence of corruption. And we have, sometimes I bring this up, but we have so many stories all around the planet for the last you know, in the modern last, you know, say modern era, the last 50, 80 years of farmlands and crops and trees and different things producing, you know, instead of one crop, they produce four, you know, or with carrots, the size of a man's arm, you know, where uh, everyone else's crops are dead, but the believers crops are producing more than they've ever produced it, uh, produced. Uh, I, I've heard uh, David Hogan tell stories like this in Mexico. he's got like 20,000 orange trees and he said that they they consider it a phenomenon when uh, an orange trees will have uh, three harvests uh, two or three harvests in their region of the earth. And he said they're having four and that's unheard of. Nobody knows and there is like a scientific name for it because it's a miracle. What's happening there? That what's happening is creation is being liberated from the corruption. How? By the let me just read it. The glory of the children of God. This is what it looks like to be a manifested sons of God. And that's how it says it in uh, King James. It longs for the manifestation of the glorious sons of God. What does it mean to manifest as a son? What does it mean to walk in a glorious manifestation of a son? That is what happens. When someone chooses to lay down their life explicitly for the and to, to submit themselves to the daily discipline required to come into someone uh, who is living for the pleasure of the Father. That means there's not a thought in my mind that is bent against Him. That means there's not a thing in my soul that is bent against Him. There is no opposition to him in any way in me. That person is a mature manifestation of the glory of the children of God. When we have been made inheritors of God, we really have received the glory of God. And that word in the Greek there it means to rep to be to become a true. I have to look it up, but this is in essence what it says. To represent truthfully. Right? When you see God's glory. You're seeing the truest representation of him. Oh yes. You know like smoke and clouds. Okay great. Let's have some of that. But when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He told uh, Mary. He said did I not tell you. You would see the glory of God. And he described the glory of God. As raising the dead. Now. To, uh, that, that creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. If we come into this and we yield ourselves and we become a manifestation of the overwhelming force that is within us, then the glory of God will be revealed. What does that look like? It looks like all creation Being liberated from corruption. It looks like the removal, the removal of the influence of the kingdom of darkness forever. It looks like lost people being born again and being conformed and transformed into glorious sons of God, not ridiculous modern Christians who can't do anything and who don't even know the word of God. Okay. This is completely off the scale of modern Christianity. This is on God's scale. This is completely out of the mind of modern Christianity. But it is in the mind of Christ. And this is who we are. And and going back to the beginning now, unless you set your sights on this goal, you're going to miss the details that make you win. Right? Most people are going to balk at this. I mean, if this was Sunday morning, at most places, people would be walking out already. I have had so many people walk out. Oh, my gosh. People have been walking out for 20 years. But then you get people like James and Deb and and some of you guys who stayed. And here we have James showing the glory of God. Okay? And he's going to be showing the glory of God in India in just a few weeks. So you have to keep, just like Paul, you have to keep this end goal in mind. Because if you don't, you're going to fall short of this glory. You're going to fall, if you fall short of the purpose, if you fall short of the understanding, if you fall short of this revelation, the Word of God, Paul says, you're going to fall short of the manifestation of this glory, not only in you, but through you, in your family. This is the key, your family being set free. My family was doing pretty good, and they went ballistically free. (laughs) They went ballistically free after this happened in me. I led my family out of corruption. I led my family out of the influence of the kingdom of darkness. And you can too. It is the plan of God for everyone to walk in this freedom, for everyone to walk in this ability, for everyone to walk in this reality. Comments, questions, thoughts? Revelations?